With your help, we can continue to fight for freedom. This is not possible without your generosity. Join our quest for the truth and our freedom and donate today. Simply go to tntradio.live. You're with Lembit Opic on today's News Talk Radio, TNT. Very good morning to you. Four minutes past six, GMT, Greenwich Mean Time in the United Kingdom. If you are up, why are you up? I'm very impressed. So are we. TNT Radio never sleeps. Uh, thank you very much for joining me. Uh, if you're in Sydney or Melbourne, uh, I think it's uh, about uh, five, four minutes past five. Um, Perth a couple, few hours earlier than that. Uh, wherever you are in the world, welcome to TNT uh, Radio with me, Lambertopic. If you want to get involved in the conversation, go to tntradio.live. You can get involved in the chat. It's always going. Uh, I can see there's quite a lot of chit chat there. A big thanks to Chris, who's just uh, been on air. Uh, I'll be with you for the next two hours. And as always, we'll be talking about the breaking stories from all around the world. Coming up in this hour, in a moment, we'll be talking to Gemma Cooper from the United Kingdom with her own unique take on what's happening around the world. Then we have Simeon Boykov in Australia, the Aussie Cossack himself, who's a fellow presenter on TNT. Uh, he'll be talking about uh, a subject which I really want to focus on in this hour, and that's the COVID situation. Apparently, there's a new vaccine. Do you want to take it? Really? Well, that's your call, but we're going to find out what the vaccine is and why uh, the authorities still think that we should be taking vaccines for something which most people have either had or been vaccinated against already, for better or for worse, in my case, for worse. Uh, Alan Dana continues the theme uh, because the pilot industry has been suffering some quite untoward effects from COVID. That's what it seems like. What's happening? Well, the former pilot who opposed vaccine mandates will be coming on air on TNT radio. Uh, As a former pilot myself, I'm pretty interested in this. Could it be that the vaccines are actually causing more danger uh, than good? Uh, He'll be telling us the aviator's perspective on that. And then we go to Peter Pham from Western, uh, from the point of view of the Western Australian mask reintroduction in hospitals. Is this a portent for things to come? Are we literally going back into the kind of restrictive lockdown rules uh, which were introduced last time and which I think increasingly people are quite sceptical about, not least because many politicians, certainly in the United Kingdom, ignored their own rules. What would you do? if you were told to wear a mask would you do it would you ignore it would you break the law do you think they made a difference let me know you can go to tntradio.live and get involved in the chat you'll also find the phone numbers to call and if there's time i'll squeeze you onto the show as i say in a few minutes time i'll be speaking uh with Gemma cooper in the united kingdom just want to highlight a couple of stories which have caught my attention the us is trying to stop uh, an australian property sale by an ex-marine's wife This is an extraordinary uh, story, which we'll come back to later in the week. But apparently the US is pushing to block Daniel Duggan's wife from selling property to cover his legal defense against charges of training Chinese pilots. We've covered this before as well. I won't go into it now, but it looks like not only uh, are they attacking this fellow for apparently uh, training Chinese pilots, which the inference is... uh, will cause harm to the West or to America in particular, but they're also stopping the sale of property that they own to pay for the legal defense. I'm not really sure how that helps with justice. As I say, we'll come back to that. Uh, Then the other story, which has really prompted uh, our debate 
today with the pilot. Uh, pilot warns of airline industry disaster to, due to COVID vaccines. We'll come back to this, but it is a major concern to me. Uh, Captain Shane Murdoch warns of a looming aviation crisis, citing data and pilot health incidents potentially linked to COVID-19 vaccine side effects. Now, I take those seriously because I had a side effect from it. You can never be 100% sure that the two things are related, but I'm pretty sure that my problems with the COVID vaccine uh, caused an ongoing set of health issues. And I also believe one of my very good friend's mother um, got a stroke as a result of that. Uh, So we're going to talk about that. And we're focusing on the COVID vaccine because it's beginning to become a big issue again, not just in Australia, but around the world. Uh, Incidentally, there's uh, an inquiry in the UK at the moment into the handling of COVID uh, by the British government. And I'll tell you now, the main players are not coming out of it very well. And not only does it look like uh, the then Prime Minister, Boris Johnson, was unable to absorb the statistics. He was clueless in the eyes of the very advisors that he was inviting in to give him that advice, but they didn't follow the rules themselves. That must make you a little bit cautious about the extent to which we can believe that they believed their strategies had any effect. Was it just window dressing? If you want to talk about that, go to tntradio.live, find the chat, or you can phone in, or you can, of course, listen in. And if you hear something that you'd like to get involved in, just pick up the phone or pick up your keyboard and type in. We never sleep here. We light the fuse for free speech. We are Free Speech Central. That's what TNT Radio is all about. I'm Len Viterbic. This is TNT Radio. The latest headlines waiting for you. I follow the news pretty much throughout the day. Today's News Talk Radio, TNT. Joining me now is somebody who will never be cowed into submission. It's Gemma Cooper. Gemma, good morning to you. How are you doing at nine minutes past six in the morning? Yes, very well, thank you. Very well. I mean, many have tried to cow me into submission, but no, it doesn't really work. Not with this chick. That's why I'm on TNT. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> I know it's an interesting thing. Once you've been cancelled once, and I've been cancelled a number of times, it gets easier just to live with it. The first time you think, what's wrong with me? In the end, you realise there's something wrong with them. But uh, there we go. We're both, we're both survivors. We're here for the survivor's photo. What do you got for us today? <laughs> what's that philosopher or the uh, guru? He said it's not a measure of success to be well-adjusted to a sick society. That's that's the, you know it's not us that are wrong it's it's and all the TNT listeners and people here where we work now we weren't wrong it was society that was wrong that is wrong it is wrong but so many people are now turning away from it in their droves but what I've got is 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 an extension of everything you just talked about at the top of the hour there Lemba and it is the COVID inquiry <laughs> inquiry I mean, I've used that term extremely loosely. Uh, whitewash, cover-up, uh, orchestrated uh, attempt to, to shift blame. Um, but yesterday, I mean, it's been going on. We talked about it before. In the sense of what's coming out, there's nothing particularly new of the theme. Everyone's blaming everybody else. But yesterday, the UK government's chief scientific advisor, um, Patrick Valance, he gave evidence. And he'd been keeping a diary right the way through, right the way through this kind of global threat. He found time to sit down and do a dear diary every night. And uh, it really does look like the diary of a spiteful 16-year-old girl uh, because he's saying, you know, the prime minister, as you had just alluded to there, was bamboozled by science. Um, it's, it's, it's com- It would be comedy, this, right, if it wasn't so absolutely tragic in the way that they locked us down, took away our freedoms and made us have an experimental gene modification procedure. You see, it would be funny if it wasn't for all those things. I'd like to make a joke out of it, but I really can't. But he says, you know, 
in his diaries, oh, the prime minister gave up science struggling to retain the most basic information. It was interesting, actually, is it wasn't just Boris Johnson and the cabinet here in the UK that couldn't grasp basic facts and figures and couldn't read graphs properly. That's what he's alleging. He's saying in his diary that scientists all over the world had real trouble explaining science to their politicians in their countries. So it's either that politicians around the world are not fit for purpose, are a little bit thick by the sounds of it, and are, you know, just there to kind of distract us from the real power, which is always behind the scenes. Um, or it is that there is a huge gap between the, the scientists and the politicians at large. But I mean, he, he, he just cut, he lets rip on everybody. Uh, Matt Hancock told untruths, which is a way of saying he's a liar, which we know. Uh, Rishi Sunak was happy to let people die with the introduction of Eat Out to Help Out. It's painting a picture once again very similar to what we talked about a few weeks ago, um, where the uh, the chief civil servant or the second deputy civil servant said she would struggle to find a day where anyone stuck to the rules. So it's, it's painting this picture of orchestrated chaos and dysfunction. But I, I do think now that this is the ploy, isn't it? It is to make us all lose complete faith in our politicians so that we are able to, or more willing to hand over the reins of power to another organization should this ever happen again, which if you're, you know, what you're talking about in Australia, it looks like it is going to be creeping back mask mandates, new vaccines, you know, it's not going anywhere, this thing, they will try and bring it back around the edges. So yeah, it's, um, it, it's a tricky one, this, because either governments around the world aren't fit for purpose, which begs the question, why are they there? We don't need them. Or it's just, it's just making us think, oh, well, you know, they had a bad job to do and nobody really was prepared for this. But of course, the inquiry needs to be into vaccine injury. The inquiry needs to be into uh, excess deaths, um, also into the whole kind of manipulated figures in the first place, you know, the use of the PCR test. None of those things have been talked about. It's just one relentless slanging match. And that's how it's going to be. And of course, it's an inquiry. So you don't really apportion blame or guilt in an inquiry. Nobody loses their job. It's just a kind of like, well, we'll just mm. listen to the evidence and lessons get learned. And well, I don't think any lessons are getting learned here, except the fact that everybody within behind closed doors hated each other by the sound of it. But, you know, was it ever thus but yeah it's a complete shambles but yeah it's coming back so it's all it could all happen again couldn't it could all happen again what's interesting about what you say and i think this for the first time now Gemma, it could be that the politicians weren't bamboozled they just weren't persuaded and these scientists such as they were were irritated because the politicians didn't buy it but they still followed orders this is the thing and we also know that uh one, at least one of the scientists was completely disregarding the advice he himself was giving the government, uh, as was a very senior uh, BBC presenter who's going on to television every day telling us to obey the rules while he was trying to break them himself. This this dysfunction seems to be, Gemma, that the, the paymasters, the people who were in charge of the scientists, didn't believe the scientists. And perhaps ironically, Whatever I've been thinking before, they were right. They were just wrong to tell us to obey the scientists when they weren't. I think that's a good, I mean, the, the good questions, you know, if you, like, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm a journalist. If I was running this inquiry, my, my questions would be, why did you ignore the advice? Why did you break lockdown? Why, why was everyone in your cabinet running around doing exactly what they pleased? Those are the questions, aren't they? Those mm. are the questions that the public want answers to because the answer is, well, we knew it wasn't dangerous. Because if you really are scared, of this deadly virus, you would you would be scared. Fear would be keeping you 
locked inside. Like it kept, you know, billions of people around the world locked inside because they put the fear of God into everyone for no reason. So the, 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 the leading questions of like, was this just one giant, I have to use the C word, you know, conspiracy to, to try and control the human race. Those are the questions that need to be asked mm. because that's what it was. That's what it and was. They, you need to have half a brain cell to work that out mm. now. Those questions aren't getting asked. It's just, oh, I didn't like him. He didn't listen to the information properly. Oh, he's an idiot. He's a liar. It's, it's like tit for tat. And you have to wonder, mm. is this being done deliberately? Because it's painting a picture of chaos and dysfunction. But the whole thing was brilliantly orchestrated. It was the most sophisticated psyop in the history of mankind. It wasn't chaos. They want to pretend it's chaos now. I mean, we're extremely lucky in the UK. We're even getting an inquiry. I say lucky. I know other countries aren't even getting, you know, well, let's have a look at what happened. But nothing of significance is coming out of this. And the questions that need to be asked really are just being completely ignored, brushed under the carpet. You know, why did you all break lockdown? Because we, you knew, didn't you? You knew there was nothing to worry about. It's a disgrace. Yes, yeah, that that's right. It's, uh, the adolescent behaviour I now begin to suspect, as you've said, is because they don't want to ask those core questions. You've got some smug lawyer asking a bunch of questions, but the questions are, as you say, if it was so serious, if you thought you were going to kill your family, then why did you go ahead? And do the opposite of what you were telling us. Let's remember that Ma Hancock, and I tell you, I know him quite well. He actually was breaking lockdown when he was the the health secretary. <laughs> You're thinking, okay, it's not, neither here nor there to me whether he has an affair or not. But it's very salient to me that he wasn't doing what he was telling everyone else to do. Nor was Boris Johnson the prime minister. If the prime minister is not following the rules, and the current prime minister, who was maybe called out, but he still got a a penalty notice for doing it, uh, if they were breaking the rules, why should we ever believe a word they say again about any potential future lockdown? Do you think the public will buy it? I'm worried that they will. Well, we've discussed this before as well. And, it, yeah. you know, here we take a particular editorial stance and so do our listeners. So we, we know that people listening absolutely won't buy it again. But interesting that Australia is pushing for mass mandates, is it's steering public behavior, all right, in health settings at the moment, but it's only a matter of time before that does become shops and yeah. public transport all over again. So it's being done very stealthily this time. So they, they must think that they can they can uh, swerve a large yeah. chunk of the public to behave like that again, otherwise they wouldn't bother trying. If they thought there was going to be mass rebellion, they would. They just wouldn't bother. But so, yeah, yeah I, I don't know. I mean, mass non-compliance is the only way. And if there's anybody facing a fine here in the UK for breaking lockdown rules, you know, I would, I would just get, I would get my own lawyer and I'd say they didn't follow the rules, the prime minister didn't follow the rules. I'm not paying my 10,000 pound fine, which is what some people are facing. 10 grand, yeah. 10 grand. Yeah for breaking lockdown. Whereas what did Boris Johnson get fined? 50 quid. I mean, come on, come on, my love, you know, disgraceful, disgraceful. Thank you, Gemma. That's just why we at TNT Radio will devote this hour to the question of COVID because somebody in the media has to give the space for a real conversation about this. If you've got something you want to say on this, then why not go to uh, tntradio.live uh, and join the chat. Uh, I'll get some of your calls and comments in uh, as soon as I have the time uh, in this hour. The big question is, if the authorities thought that COVID was so dangerous, why did they ignore their own lockdown rules and therefore theoretically expose their own families to a fatal situation? 
or was it the fact they didn't believe it themselves? You let me know. Coming up in a moment, uh, we've got uh, Simeon Boykov, a very own fellow TNT presenter on the same subject. That's all with me, Lemmy Topic on TNT Radio. You should hear what Patrick Henningsen's talking about. So all the Israelis are really escalating air attacks and bombing attacks uh, to a degree that we haven't even seen before. Why this escalation? Why is it happening right now? This is a big problem. And this has been going on now for four weeks, ladies and gentlemen. And still no calls for a ceasefire, no definitive or categorical calls anyway from the U.S. leadership, from those who, from the onset, let's face it, they were backing this military action by Israel uh, on the Gaza Strip. And everybody thought, well, how bad could it be? How long could it go? Here we are a month later we're still here we're still talking to you we're still reporting this and another hospital was uh, hit last night as well well over 30 medical facilities and hospitals have been uh, hit and uh, taken out of action in some cases pulverized by the israeli occupation forces or the idf as it's uh, widely known patrick henningson on today's news talk tnt radio right now the forgotten poor are waiting for healing and care for life-saving medical care, for a chance to live with dignity and hope. They are waiting for Mercy Ships and you. Mercy Ships is the largest floating civilian hospital in the world with volunteer medical staff and crew who donate their time to save lives. And now, as our newest state-of-the-art hospital ship sets sail, Mercy Ships will double our ability to reach children and adults who need us now. Without the work of Mercy Ships, these patients don't have another option. Mercy Ships is answering the call to serve suffering people who have nowhere else to turn. Together, we are going to some of the world's most desperate places and bringing a wave of hope and healing to those who need it most. To learn more about this wave of hope, go to mercyships.org today. If you're talking about it, we're talking about it. Today's News Talk Radio, TNT. 22 minutes past 6 GMT. Uh, between 8 and 11 hours later than that in uh, Australia. So good afternoon or good evening there. Uh, let me do a bit with you for the next uh, hour and a half or thereabouts. A uh, few comments coming in here. Good morning to you as well, Matty, from me and Gemma. Uh, Robert says COVID schmovid. I think you summarize in two words what many of us now think here at DT Radio. Holly says, uh, good morning. Uh, says a lot for the most prestigious schools in our country then. I reckon the science and scientists were at fault. They confused the information on purpose. Uh, Convid was a hoax, in my opinion. The flu rebranded in an evil and complicated way. Thanks for that, Holly. And Mazzy adds that... Uh, uh, oh, I just managed to shut the box. Uh, I'll come back to that in a minute uh, because I don't want to detain our next guest, our very own Simeon Boykov, who stays on the same subject. Simeon, good afternoon to you. How are you doing? Are you uh, going to get afternoon. the vaccine? No, I've never got one. Well, I have back in the days when I was a kid. I think I got my tetanus one, so I can't be called an anti-vaxxer. But I managed to stave off the government attempts to force a COVID jab on me, and I'm very pleased about that. And congratulations to all the people out there, our listeners, who were staunch enough or smart enough or defiant enough to hold off uh, the government's attempts at coercing them in taking that vaccine. But it looks like the Australian government is at it again. Australians uh, to receive new COVID vaccines targeting Omicron subvariants. Now, don't forget, this is the Omicron, which has like a 99.9% .9 chance of survival. Uh, outrageous that they are trying to force the jabs again. And when I mean force, although they're not probably going to go down the path of mandates, they're still very manipulative. Already, 
the coalition health spokesperson in Australia, Anne Rustin, said she was concerned that there had been no media campaign or public press conferences with the chief medical officer to improve awareness in the Australian community about this new vaccine needs to be taken. What does that mean? Translation, there's not enough propaganda. When they say the word media campaign, what they mean is propaganda from the government to brainwash people. That's the only way people took the vaccine back in the days, via brainwashing. The Australian government is actually concerned that only 5.5% of adults are fully vaccinated with their latest uh, COVID-19 vaccine boosters. Now, just to put that into perspective, that's 5.5% of adults are up to date with their boosters. So I imagine we're on about the seventh jab now. Some of us have had zero. Some of us have had one. Congratulations if you've had zero. If you've had one, it's okay. You're still considered unvaccinated by the government. But you're supposed to have seven by now. 5.5%. What does that tell you? That tell you is you that 96, uh, sorry, my maths, 94 0.5% of the country is actually switched on. Now, I put that 5.5% in Australia down to the people who are in institutions, unfortunately, people who are in aged care facilities, mental asylums, orphanages, prisons, they'd have no choice. And you may ask, well, how do prisoners not have a choice? Fair enough, if you're a you know, aged care patient, they'll just come and jab you. They won't even ask for your consent. But if you're a prisoner, and I know this from experience, from being in jail for four months in maximum security, for the breach of a non-publication order on YouTube, they coerce the prisoners in Australia, still to this day, it's a bloody disgrace, by going to their cells with a needle, like they did to me, with a nurse, and saying, get the vaccine. It came every day for about five days in a row until I made a big scene and I said, this is ridiculous, I'm going to call the ombudsman. Now, to my big surprise in jail, in prison, there was uh, nobody, pr practically, hardly anybody unvaccinated. Most of the prisoners, 98% of them, were vaccinated. And you need to ask why. Prisoners tend to be people defined, people who don't follow government rules. That's why they're in jail, obviously, for whatever different offences they've uh, committed. But the reason they, they all get forced to take the vaccine is through a system of manipulation. So the jail authorities, New South Wales Correctives, they ban prisoners from having visits from friends, from family, from children, from parents, from wives, from uh, friends or anyone, if you're unvaccinated. So imagine you're a prisoner doing a stint in prison and you know you can't see your kids, right? And a visit, and a visits are really important in prison. It's what keeps people sane. It's what keeps people going, you know, looking forward to a visit. And they simply say, no jab, no visit. Now, when I was in jail, I was there for four months in maximum security. I couldn't see anybody. Couldn't visit my wife. Of course, she, sorry, she couldn't visit me. And uh, the only thing they do give you is you're able to do a video phone call instead of a visit if you're uh, unvaccinated. So that's a very big mistake by the government to continue that policy of passive forced vaccination via coercion and manipulation of people in institutions. And that's where that figure comes from. That 5.5% that the Australian government says are fully vaccinated, well, there you go. It's prisoners, it's people in mental health, it's people in government institutions, orphanages, aged care facilities. That's where they have no choice. Now, I want to say to the government, you're dreaming that your people are going to go and get the vaccine now, right? People are receiving millions of dollars in compensation from the government, from the vaccines. The government with its left hand is paying out compensation 
millions of dollars are going out the door because they're admitting that there are injuries and deaths from the vaccines. And with their right hand, they're again trying to promote the vaccines and they're complaining that there's not enough media propaganda and public press conferences to improve awareness in the Australian community. What a slap in the face to the Australian general public. They must think we're all stupid. Uh, the government has accepted advice from the Australian Technical Advisory Group on immunisation. What is that? What is the Australian Technical Advisory Group? Again, that's not the TGA. That's some group probably registered to an ABN with a specialist who's on $300,000 a year who sends emails to people. Now, unfortunately, a lot of the sheep out there are going to go and get the jab, but I wouldn't say many. People have had enough. People are awake. People don't trust. Wherever the government feeds them, they are now resilient. They have immunization against government propaganda and lies, and they have a healthy mistrust to their government. So it's good news in Australia. Well done to the Australian people. 5.5% only fully vaccinated, notwithstanding the biggest ever in our country's history propaganda campaign and campaign of coercion, manipulation. Just to think back and look back and remember, guys, we were stopped from attending funerals of loved ones. We were stopped from saying goodbye to loved ones in hospital. We couldn't even go to cemeteries to watch loved ones be buried outdoors. That's how insane it was. If you lived in Victoria, under Dan Andrews, you couldn't watch the sunset and you couldn't drink coffee outside. That's how crazy it was in Australia. So congratulations to the Australian people for holding the line. And I hope that if there's any attempt at all to try to force this new vaccine, that's just going to reinvigorate the freedom movement. And the freedom movement is there, although it might be in a sort of you know dormant mode now. It's there. The infrastructure is there. The skeleton crew is there. The template is there. Just give us the signal. Try us, tempt us. We will go out onto the streets in the hundreds of thousands like we did during the pandemic, or should I say, the pandemic. Thank you, as always. Very clear. Just one last question for you before we go to uh, a break, and we're going to talk about a pilot, to a pilot. Am I right in assuming that you've seen the data as well, that the more people take the vaccines, the higher the death rate? Oh, it's clear as a day that uh, there's a clear link to, with, between uh, vaccine deaths, uh, the amount of people taking the vaccine and deaths. It's very, very clear. You're much better off just having COVID. Just take COVID and get it and you'll, you'll live, you'll survive. You won't die, for goodness sake. Unless you've already got a pre-existing health condition, you probably would have died anyway if you got the flu. That's how it works. It's mm -hmm. simple now. We all see that. Many of us saw that from day one. And TNT Radio was instrumental from the beginning. Uh, this is one of the main reasons why TNT Radio was started, because there was a need, there was a void to fill. The mainstream media had betrayed the people. Yeah. Uh, bastards like Ray Hadley from 2GB was, were uh, pushing the jab. The, the media presenters, the mainstream media presenters, they have egg on their face. Shame on them all. Shame on all of them, all the celebrities. Very similar to what they tried to do with the no vote referendum. But, you know, I'm really proud of the Australian people. They've become immune. they developed immunity not to COVID, not to the vaccines, but to government propaganda. So well done, Australia. Thank you, Simeon Boykoff. You'll never be jabbed uh, out of free speech. What do you think about what Simeon's saying? Just one comment here before we go to the break. Uh, it's from Mazzy, who says, uh, why should we believe anything they say in the first place? Because it wasn't just COVID that has shown massive distrust. I recall many other faults that told me years before not to listen to the parasites in government. Uh, thanks for that. Uh, Holly's got some strong views as well. 
do keep your calls and comments coming. Go to tntradio.life. You can make your comments there, or you can phone in. You'll find the numbers there as well. On the same theme, we're going to talk to a former pilot who's got some very chilling information for us. That's all with me, Lemon Topic, on TNT Radio. Okay, everybody, listen up. Big news. Big news. For real big news. Here we go. Now, TNT Radio News. Matt Boyland here with a look at your TNT headlines. Incredible footage has emerged of Iranian-backed militants hijacking a British-owned cargo ship in the Red Sea, which they say has links to Israel. Russian President Vladimir Putin was due to join an emergency video conference with BRICS leaders on Tuesday to discuss the ongoing war in Gaza. And former US President Donald Trump suing 20 different media companies for $1.5 billion, accusing them of defaming his social media site. Globalist agendas, democratic rights at risk, corruption, propaganda, it never stops. For the news and views silenced by the mainstream media, by government and corporations, vote one. TNT Radio, free speech always has a home here. Stay up to date with the latest live news and current affairs delivered by our lineup of expert commentators and hosts. Listen to TNT Radio anywhere you go. Ask Alexa or Google to play TNT Radio or download the TNT Radio app for free from the App Store or Google Play. Today's news talk, this is TNT Radio. Greetings, Lambert Opic with you here. 27 minutes to 7 in the UK. Uh, between 8 and 11 hours after that in uh, Australia. So good afternoon or good early evening to you there. Uh, I do love this one. Holly points something out which I'd never thought about before. Omicron is an anagram of moronic. I hadn't seen that before. That's very interesting. And Holly adds, um, oh, these governments do think that people are stupid. And they surely are, as they have complied. And some died as a result. There's only one response. Do not comply. Mazzy says, government lies, don't comply. I do think that there's a growing movement now of, of distrust and suspicion because of all of this. Let's uh, stay on this theme in this hour on TNT Radio. Joining me now is Alan Dana, a former pilot who opposed vaccine mandates and uh, claims that elites seek uh, un unvaccinated pilots as well. Um Alan, good uh, afternoon to you. Uh, what did you used to fly? Uh, Lembit, thanks for having me on. I was most recently uh, flying the Boeing 787 for a company called Jetstar here in Australia, doing long-haul international routes to uh, Hawaii, uh, Japan, Bangkok, and that sort of stuff. Beautiful plane, beautiful plane. I ran a tiny little airline myself. We did, for, for the boffins, Piper Navajos and the Cessna 303, which had a problem with the counter-rotating continental engine. But we're not going to go into that yeah. now. Uh, <laughs> let's talk about vaccines. And do you have some quite chilling news for us? Well, yeah, recently on the uh, alternative news media, you may have seen an article by the conservative woman, and she's a doctor, Sally Beck, who was a uh, aviation medic for Emirates Airlines. And she's part of our network, and she's been collating a lot of information about uh, vaccine injuries. And obviously, this is going into vaccine injuries in the pilot community, and that's what we are certainly concerned about. Um, way back in the beginning of this, when uh, the mandates came here in Australia, uh, all of the airlines mandated uh, the vaccines. There was no getting away with it. You either got the shot or you were fired. Uh, a lot of the pilots took uh, voluntary redundancy. Some just left of their own accord. I myself waited until I actually got fired and ended up in a big court case. Now, after that, the 
adverse reactions started to show their ugly head. And, and by now, here in 2023, as brought up by your Andrew Bridgener in the UK, that a conversation needs to be had about the vaccine injuries. And you cannot isolate the pilots from that cohort of people because most of the pilots out there have been managed or have submitted to the vaccines just to keep their jobs or for whatever reason. And if injuries are happening to the normal general public, then they're happening in the cockpit. And they are. And we know that they are. Now, one of the big things that we had early on was that there were some incapacitations uh, that were happening in the cockpit of airplanes that were flying. And then that raised concerns with us in the industry was, okay, it's one thing to deal with an incapacitation of your colleague in the flight deck. But what if you subsequently have an emergency that you train for twice a year? The single pilot might be dealing with a, a significant event with his colleague and also a broken airplane. Add to that flying into mountainous terrain, like if you're going into uh, Switzerland or Innsbruck or somewhere like that in Austria. Add to that a winter in the north, northern Europe. You, you, and add to that nighttime and fatigue after a long flight. You're stacking the deck against yourself. So it came to the question, what aeromedical evaluations did our regulators actually perform on these things? And it appears they did nothing, nothing. There's a whole raft of medications that pilots are completely restricted from taking. There's a whole bunch of medications that are can be taken with certain conditions. And then there are some that can be taken um, you know, in moderation. And these new medications that they forced on everyone had no aeromedical evaluation performed on them whatsoever. Here in Australia, our Therapeutic Goods Administration is the very similar to your MHRA in the UK. They rubber stamped the manufacturer's own data. Well, they were selling a product. And so our regulator didn't do any evaluation. They pushed that through to the Civil Aviation Safety Authority here they just scanned over it, rubber stamped it, and let, let it be injected into the crew. Well, that's okay. If a pilot drops dead and he's just at the supermarket, no big deal. But if he drops dead in charge of an airplane with 350 people on it, it becomes a bit more significant. And they're not concerned. So, and so this is, this is what Sally has written about. So essentially what you're saying is that pilots, aviators, highly trained professionals were fired or left the profession because they refused to be poisoned. Well, that's exactly right. And that was the choice that many people had to do, uh, had to make really during the whole pandemic situation. And it was quite severe here in the in Australia. And uh, it was basically blackmail. When the uh, vaccines were rolled out, obviously you get some people that are jab junkies, they, they just line up, roll up their sleeves and go ahead and get it. A lot of people were terrified into getting it. And then there was a large number of us that were very, very skeptical. You know, politicians at the best of time lie 24-7, and suddenly they were going to be telling the truth about the vaccine. I don't think so. So once they saw that the numbers of uptake were dropping off, they were panicking a little bit. And here in Australia, they knew that if they threatened people with their jobs and livelihoods, that the that the uptake of the vaccines would, would go up. And it did. And, you know standing my ground getting fired was initially quite painful um financially for sure for my career the whole thing um but it certainly 
uh, I'm not regretting taking my position now when you stand back and look at the vaccine injuries and the excess deaths that are happening everywhere. Isn't it possible, though, given the subsequent pretty substantial evidence now that the vaccines are killing more people than the disease, uh, that you could now get reinstated? Uh Quite possibly, but it comes down to a situation where the government have to admit that they were wrong. And what's happening, I think, is that they've, behind closed doors, I think they realise that they've made a catastrophic error, all in the pursuit of, of lucrative contract deals that they've all had their sticky fingers in. And now they realise that this thing is there, is real, but they can't admit it. It would bankrupt the country. You, if you look at compensation, so what do you do? They may have to go down the road of something like happened in South Africa after the ANC took power from the end of apartheid. You know, a truth and reconciliation hearings where they hold their hands up and they just say, okay, we were wrong. How can we make this right? We've got to go forward and we can't bankrupt the country. And then, so what does that look like? We have no idea. But bringing it back to the aviation situation that Sally wrote about in The Conservative Woman, We've got a massive amount of pilots out there that know that they have something wrong with them and that the normal aviation medical that they do either once or twice a year is not robust enough to pick up anything that might be subclinical that they may not be aware of. And this is the, this is the red flag that we have been bringing up to um, our senators here that are on the freedom side. Uh, here in Australia, particularly Senator Malcolm Roberts has been questioning the Civil Aviation Safety Authority at Senate estimates hearings. And we've actually asked them, we did a freedom of information request from the aviation regulator to see how many medicals that they are issuing to pilots. That, and get this, this will blow your mind. They're issuing medical certificates to pilots that have a serious medical condition that could lead to an incapacitation. They're actually <laughs> issuing <clears throat> medicals to pilots that have something known that could lead to a pilot incapacitation. It's called a multi-crew uh, medical restriction. And, and is this to do with is this to do with the vaccines? Do you think? Well, it, the restriction actually was out before uh, it came out in 2015, so it wasn't vaccine related back then. Mm. But in the last. Uh, 12 to 18 months, the issuance of those medical restrictions has gone up 126%. Now, the Aussie Freedom Flyers, of which I'm, I'm one of the organisers from AussieFreedomFlyers.com, we did a freedom information request and the Civil Aviation Authority said that they don't actually collate that data. So I pressed them. I said, well, it doesn't say it's a freedom, um, a freedom of documentation request. This is a freedom information request. So you are required to give me the information. So they provided the data to us and we disseminated amongst that group. Now, in the last estimates hearings in November, uh, yeah, a few weeks ago, I think it might have been October to be actually to, to correct. In October, our Senate Senator asked the aviation regulator directly for those figures and they deliberately withheld the numbers that showed the 126% increase. So in actual fact, they've lied by omission. And we're pushing them further on that because when I realized that they provided a question on notice, 
that wasn't actually full, accurate and correct, that the data that we'd been given earlier was actually more truthful, that would cause a massive red flag within the, within the organization to what on earth is going on and what is causing it. Because that's the question. We can't say that the pilots having these medical conditions is vaccine related. It, but it raises a serious question here in Australia and certainly in the UK and definitely in the United States. Alan, Dana, thank you. We definitely want to return to this with you. And on another occasion, I want to talk to you about uh, aviation and climate change. Not today. Uh, that's Alan Dana, who says there's absolutely unequivocal evidence of an increase in the issuance of certificates which talk about potential incapacity in pilots. A coincidence? I don't think so. What's your view? Uh, just one note from Holly here. I wonder if the pilots of the hundreds of private jets that scurry these parasites around the planet have had the jab. I bet it's a requirement not to have it. Don't want them falling out of the skies, do we? Uh, thanks for that, Holly. Keep your calls and comments coming. Uh, we're going to stay on this subject in this hour uh, because uh, there's a lot happening with uh, with the subject, especially in Western Australia. Peter Pham's coming up next, principal lawyer at Matt's method uh, let me have your calls and comments also i'm len Potopic. this is tnt radio give me a minute with tnt radio's steve malsberg thanksgiving's less than a week away and if you're planning on taking your kids to the thanksgiving day parade the macy's parade in new york city or watching it on tv with the kids think again give serious consideration because fox news reports that as of tuesday twenty thousand outraged people have signed a petition posted by one million moms protesting the inclusion of two Broadway shows in the parade, both of which featured transgender and non-binary performers in major roles. Yes, indeed. Think again. Here's Kristen Wagoner with Alliance Defending Freedom. Just another example of an ideological war that's being waged on families and customers are saying they've had enough, but it seems that corporate brands that were once trusted just still aren't getting the message. So I think you're seeing parents stand up, rise up and say, we're going to parent and we expect our family friendly events to truly be family friendly and not teach our children values that we object to. We need to understand very clearly that these ideologies that are being peddled in films and in our school systems are designed to pit children against their parents. And it's time for parents to not stand on the sidelines, but to truly use their influence. Folks, don't let your kids be indoctrinated. Find something else to do. Don't let them watch the Thanksgiving Day Parade. Thanks for giving me a minute. I'm Steve Malsberg. Make sure you tune into my show Monday through Friday, 9 p.m. Eastern, right here on TNT Radio. Hi, I'm Susan Lucci. I never thought about heart disease until I had my own heart event. At first, like so many other women out there, I ignored my symptoms. A slight pressure on my chest, shortness of breath. I thought, I don't have time to be sick. I had a 90% blockage in my main artery and a 75% blockage in the adjacent artery. I received two stents in my arteries, stents developed through research funded by the American Heart Association. Those stents saved my life. I'm so grateful to the American Heart Association. Their research helped save my life. I can enjoy life with my children, my grandchildren, and my friends. Please, listen to your heart. The only reason I'm here today is because I did. Learn more about the American Heart Association's life-saving work at helpheart.org. You're with Lembit Opic on today's News Talk Radio, TNT. 
13 minutes to 7 in the UK, between 8 and 11 hours later than that in Australia. Uh, welcome from all points in between as well. Uh, wherever you are, I'm grateful you've joined TNT Radio, the home of free speech, uh, where we do try to shine light where others fear to tread. Uh, we're devoting this hour to the increasing concerns about potential COVID lockdowns, enforced vaccinations and everything that go with it. Uh, we've just been talking to Alan Dana, former pilot, who's raised some very serious concerns. Uh, a few comments here. Jethro, um, I'll just read this for technical reasons. I painted a couple of Piper Navajo chieftains back in the 1990s, first job that I really liked. I really did enjoy flying the Navajo, uh, though the one that I flew came to a rather grisly end, not because of me, by the way. Uh, Robert Hancock says, yes, an IQ test for politicians, total score, zero. Bit harsh. I used to be a politician. I hope you don't think I have zero IQ. Uh, Jethro adds, don't pilots have to wait for a drug to be on the market for 10 years before they're allowed to take it? I don't know the answer to that, Jethro, but from what Alan Dana says, it seems that uh, they ran headlong into forcing pilots to do something which wasn't necessarily safe. Holly says, good for you, Alan Dana, big respect. And Irving says this. I can't corroborate it, but I'm going to read it anyway. The latest COVID subvariant called Parola means penis in Spanish. You can't make this stuff up. I don't know if that's true or not, but it's certainly uh, worth a look. And uh, just one last one. Mazzy says they absolutely do, Jethro. My cousin works in Bristol AP. I asked her two years ago and tried to wake her. She knew of a few pilots that had left in 21, 22. She just didn't join the dots, but knew those facts you pointed out. Keep those calls and comments coming. It's faster than I can keep up with it. Uh, but I want to keep up with someone else instead. It's Peter Pham, uh, who is the principal lawyer at Matt's Method. Uh, thanks for joining us on TNT Radio, uh, Peter. I uh, want to ask you your view about the apparent impending reintroduction of mask mandates in Western Australia. What do you make of this? Well, it's not surprising. Western Australia is the state in Australia that had um, legislation allowing officers of the state to forcibly vaccinate people even before COVID. Um, the Cochrane Review Gold Standard um, study, which showed that masks are ineffective, doesn't seem to have made many waves in Australia. Everybody's pretending, everybody in a position of um, government authority is pretending it doesn't exist or dismissing it. Um, so it's not surprising, but it's extremely disappointing. We can only hope that the people of Western Australia um, have learned something over the past few years and will take some meaningful action to show um, elected representatives that they're not happy with the decision if it does come down. And uh, why do you think Western Australia takes such an authoritarian stance in, in a country which I have tended previously to think of as quite a free country? I think it has to do with um, the history of, of Western Australia. It's not totally divorced from the rest of the country. Australia began as a prison colony, after all, with prison officers and convicts, and that dynamic bleeds through into this Australia of today. We have a very authoritarian structure. Our constitution doesn't enshrine human rights in any explicit way like the US does, for example, You know, and we can have a debate about whether that would actually be effective or not. But um, Western Australia um, is a state that has always tried to do its own thing over, over the last couple of hundred years. They've frequently um, mooted the idea of separating themselves off as a separate country and um, there's something about the the um, the governance there that has always wanted control and has always wanted that kind of authority over the people. So it's just it's just the way the state has always been. And 
is this to do with medicine or is it a mindset of control and the reason i asked this question peter is because talking last night to some colleagues they said they thought that the explanation for the total hypocrisy in british politics where the politicians said one thing and did another was because they saw it as a control mechanism um well it's certainly not about medicine um almost nothing over the past few years has been about medicine there are relatively good codes of conduct for doctors in australia for example which enshrine things like informed consent and um those have been distorted and ignored um the australian medical association which is the peak body for doctors has completely shafted their members and APRA, which is the Australian Health Practitioners Regu Regulation Authority, who are sort of the self-appointed police for doctors, making sure that they follow the national law, the statute, and releasing the, the statements that a lot of your listeners will know about, forcing doctors not to actually uh, allow their patients to give informed consent, um, shows that it's it's certainly not about medicine. The principles of medicine have been completely tarnished in this country to the point where nobody trusts the health system anymore, even people who are relatively caught up in some of the narratives surrounding COVID. There's a huge distrust of medicine in this country. And, I'm, you know, it's interesting. It will be interesting to see whether or not that repairs itself or not over time. Uh, from a legal perspective, is it credible to think that a member of the public could take legal recourse to prevent themselves from being forced into these fairly draconian anti-COVID actions? Um, unfortunately, the way the legal system is set up in Australia, it's very difficult to take preventative action. Um, we tried to bring an injunction in the federal court to halt the provisional approval of uh, Moderna and Pfizer, especially for kids. We did it in the federal court and then the high court. Um, the courts, to summarize, uh, found a, a technical legal loophole to stop the case from going to hearing and to force us to have a technical legal argument where they wouldn't have to deal with the 2000 pages of evidence that we'd gathered from eminent experts all around the world. So there's a few things going on in this country. A big part of the problem is that in Australia, the government um funds everything um if you include all of the government funded positions the people who work directly for the government and people who are on welfare it's more than 50 percent of the population judges are appointed by government so arguably the separation of powers is in jeopardy because there's a key conflict of interest there so preventative action is difficult uh the legal system is built around retrospective action which is not ideal um there will be huge litigation down the road we're already working on a class action for people who've been injured by the COVID injectables for example but that's not as good as if we could take preventative action I think the best preventative action is for people to in their own lives based on their own self-determination which is the bedrock of human rights law you know I'm a human rights lawyer the the bedrock of human rights law is self-determination, the ability to choose what is best for your own life. I'll give one quick good news story, which is relevant to this question. Western Australia is the only state where the nurses, so many nurses said no to a vaccine mandate there that they couldn't put in a vaccine mandate for nurses in the health system because the health system would have fallen over. Too many of the nurses said, we're going to quit if you, if you implement this. That's the kind of community action that needs to happen it's not necessarily the legal system which is going to save us that's one tool in the toolbox it's much more important for people on an individual and community level to take action themselves
we were discussing the idea of a mass class action earlier on uh, with Simeon Boykov here on TNT Radio, and he thought that it would bankrupt the country. Nevertheless, this is a problem that politicians, not just in Australia, but certainly in the UK, too, have behaved themselves into. How realistic is it to think that a class action would succeed? And I say that as somebody who was unquestionably injured by my third vaccine uh, jab myself. Um, the class action that we're planning is a is primarily a personal injury action. It's medical negligence. There are other causes of action as well, misleading and deceptive conduct, misfeasance, um, product liability. But the reason I say personal injury is because it's very difficult for a court to rely on any kind of technical legal loophole in a personal injury case because you've got people who are injured who have medical people as, uh, evidencing their injuries through their expert reports. And the courts have very fundamental ancient duties to assist people who have been the victim of civil wrongs, injuries caused in this case by an, a, a provisionally approved drug. So the cases I previously brought with, with my colleagues, Julian Gillespie and Katie Ashby Coppins, were primarily administrative law cases, judicial reviews of government decisions, lots of legal arguments that can occur, lots of gray area and subjectivity. Personal injury, if any case is going to succeed, it's going to be the personal injury cases, which is why a class action has a much better prospect of success than another case. However, your point is, is valid, or at least your implicit point. We're operating within a legal system, which is made up of the same people who all of the other systems are made up of. And there's a similar ratio of people who are kind of looking at what's going on honestly and people who are caught up in cognitive dissonance and the narratives being fed to them by the people who fund their positions. So we can't be naive. Um, we can't put all of our eggs in that basket, but it's certainly worth doing. Um, even if the case doesn't succeed, simply getting discovery would be a huge utility you know being able to access the pharmaceutical board's documents the emails of our department of health and the emails they had with the fda for example or you know the the, um, the department of health in the uk um, all of those things would have a lot of utility for everybody so there's other benefits as well strategically to bringing that kind of action peter fam thanks very much for joining us and no doubt we'll have you back as your situation the the case progresses uh, what do you think about what you've heard from Peter Pham, uh, are you inclined to join a class action? I have to tell you, I would be, uh, because it's much more practical for me to be part of an action rather than to commence one myself. Has your mindset changed about the COVID vaccines since the beginning of the pandemic? And do you feel that essentially we have been misled perhaps you don't maybe you think that they did the right thing whatever well, of you just let us know uh tntradio.live uh julian judy uh, asks what does peter say of lawsuits being proposed under the consumer protection laws that's an interesting point uh peter's gone now but mazzy seems to agree that that's an option uh holly says masks are symbolic it's uh slavery don't do it i want to know your views on all of this uh, and we will return to it. We've devoted this hour to it simply because it's a growing issue. Uh, coming up in the next hour, we're going to talk about the relationship between politics and celebrity with one of the main politicians from the UK in the jungle in Australia, even as we speak. And then we're going to talk about the budget. What do road users want from the budget? And what do unions want from the budget? Uh, we're going to talk to a 
Chief uh, General Secretary of the Workers of England Union, and we're going to speak to Bob Bull, who is the chair of the Alliance of British Drivers. So we'll take a UK perspective, but everything we're discussing has relevance around the world. That's what we do here at TNT Radio, the home of free speech. I'm Len Topic, and this is TNT Radio.